listening to the Retirement Remix Show with financial advisors and hosts Chip Munn, that's me, and John Tate of Signature Wealth Group. Get ready for a bite-sized dose of timely and actionable financial planning and retirement tips alongside remixed retirement stories from real people just like you. Listen in now to be inspired, find direction, and build your own retirement remix. John Tate, what's up, man? Chip Munn, it is Friday. How was your Friday going so far? You know what? Usually we talk first thing in the morning. So despite the fact that I am not a morning person, this usually on Fridays gives me a reason to hop out of bed, excited, and I'm looking forward to, as strange as that might sound, today's topic. I think it's particularly important. And our average listener, John, is in their mid-50s. So today's topic might be something that they're interested in trying to better understand for themselves, or in a lot of cases, kind of like when we were talking about education. Sometimes for our average listener, we could be talking about their children or their grandchildren just because that's the season of life. And today we're going to talk about long-term care. And for a lot of people, it's something that they want to consider and or they are dealing with it, have dealt with it, or are going to deal with it for somebody that they care about. And so I think that of all the things, especially on the risk management side that we could talk about, it really just has a lot of application just for a ton of people. It does. And when you think about insurance, we always approach insurance as this is something that has to do with me, meaning I'm getting a policy either on my life or on my life experience, but it's really not for me. It's for all the people around me, whether it be life insurance or long-term care, it's for other people. And so when you're thinking about long-term care insurance, You're thinking about, yes, I want to have money coming in to cover costs if I need it, but I also want it because it will hopefully allow my loved ones to maintain their own quality of life so that either they don't have to pay for my care or they don't have to stop what they're doing or reduce what they're doing to take care of me. It's a different conversation. It's one that I think a lot of people want to put off until the last minute, because they really just don't want to think about the chance that they're going to need this. But when you're looking at statistics, half of Americans turning 65 today are going to require some form of long-term care. And so if you're thinking about you or your spouse, I mean, that's basically a flip of a coin, right, Chip? Yeah, I was thinking about it, John, when I saw this statistic was, I find that little things can help drive points home for me. And I was thinking, sit and pick a side, right? Heads or tails, flip a coin and see how often you're going to need it. I just think that little practical things. And actually, if you are in a, and I don't remember the exact number, but if you're 65 and a couple, so if you're two 65-year-olds in a committed relationship, the chances of one of the two of you needing it is, I think, John, in the 80 85%. Yeah, again, it's just something that I try to view it as a practical thing. And much like you said with life insurance, it's something that we do for other people. And in a lot of cases, the people that I talk to have had experience because long-term care, and we'll get into some of the insurance options in another episode, but 
a lot of them have had experience with parents or with relatives who they have had to work through the long-term care facility process. And I think that a lot of people now view it almost more as a gift, something that they can do is one less thing. A lot of our clients, they just don't want to leave any kind of burdensome tasks. So whether it's long-term care, life insurance, trust work is something that they view as a thing that they can do for other people. So John, when we talk about long-term care, that's a kind of a big, broad term. What type of care does that typically refer to? It's going to be care that is not necessarily medical in nature. I mean, it's going to be care that helps a person live as they are versus improving or correcting a problem like a doctor or a surgeon would come in and do. You know, you have something, a hip that doesn't work or a knee that doesn't work. A doctor is going to come in and correct the problem and fix it. Long-term care doesn't really fix anything because it's just not something that you can change, but it helps somebody maintain a quality of life, live as they are, and continue to do the things that they need to do every single day to basically get by. And those activities are called activities of daily living. And long-term care basically provides services that allow people to perform those same activities, but with help. And the help that somebody might provide keep them from falling or injuring themselves further when they're performing those activities of daily living, which can be as simple as something like you said earlier, hopping out of bed. They might not hop out of bed, but when you're talking about getting in and out of bed or out of a chair or out of a wheelchair, that's called transferring. That's as simple as one of the six activities of daily living. What are some of the other ones, Chip? So, John, the way that I've always been able to remember it is for those who are still working, it's all the things you do before you go out the door to go to work in the morning. So it includes bathing, getting up, taking a shower, getting dressed, eating breakfast, being able to go to the restroom. So continence and controlling that, but then also being able to go to the restroom. So toileting. And then finally, transferring, getting in and out of the bed. So if you think of all the things that happen really between the bed and the breakfast table in the morning for the average person, those are the six things. So it's bathing, dressing, eating, continence, toileting, and transferring are the six things that you need to be able to do or that they, in terms of long-term care, that they consider to be those activities of daily living, that if you can't do those, or in a lot of cases, it's two out of six of those. If you can't do two out of six, that's where you qualify for starting to want some care. And it's funny, you go through that list and all of those things right now, I've been fortunate enough to take all of those things for granted. I can still do all of those things almost without even thinking about it by myself on a daily basis. And like you said, they're all things that I have to do in order just to be able to leave the house to go to work or just get about my day. And so they're all very important. They're all things I think if we're taking them for granted in the back of our minds because we just do them every day, they're things that we might not think about needing help with. But when you talk about cannot doing two out of those six things without assistance, that's when you qualify for 
long-term care. And when we think about providers of this care, it usually starts out in the home. It usually starts out small. It's not like all of a sudden you wake up and you can't get out of bed by yourself. It's something that happens gradually. It happens over a period of time. And usually as that happens, it's usually a spouse. It's usually a family member or a loved one that begins that assistance. And Chip, you and I both have children and we watch our kids grow up. And when we're around them all the time, it may not be something that we identify all at once. It's something that happens gradually every day. And so, you know, my mom doesn't see Turner on a regular basis. And so she'll come over and, oh my gosh, you've gotten so much bigger. Or, oh my gosh, I can't believe you can do that. Whereas I've seen him every single day between those two times. I'm like, well, of course he can do that. And it's not something that I would necessarily notice. And I think some of these aspects of long-term care are similar in that if you're a spouse, a family member, a loved one, you can get into one of these caregiving roles where it begins over a period of time. It doesn't start out as something that takes up a large portion of your daily life, but then it over time slowly but surely becomes a part of your life. And as that happens, it's gradual, but it's also constant. So it can cause the spouse, the family member, or the loved one's life to change in ways that maybe they didn't anticipate in the beginning. And that is something I think that if we're the person being cared for, isn't that something we want to avoid? Yeah, I'll tell you. So I have personal experience with this. My dad within, I think I was, I was less than a year old when he was diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. And so my entire life, he had the, I think they call it episodic multiple sclerosis. So he would go through periods of time where he was fine. But then there would be other times when at one point he was blind for three months or couldn't get out of bed. Of course, mobility can be a big issue. So of course, my mom bore the brunt of it. But my brother and I, as a teenager in middle and elementary school, in his case, were helping with one thing or another from time to time. And truth is, Listen, I'm a teenager, right? My mom is a grown woman, but there are certain things you don't want to help people you love do. You'll do it because it's what family does. But in a lot of cases, some of the things that we're talking about, you don't want your family doing for you. So, I mean, it's a really touchy kind of complicated thing because eventually my dad transitioning to a facility, I think it's important to touch on the fact that a lot of these things, John, happen at home. And they are the kinds of things that for a lot of folks, when we talk about the concept of long-term care and insurance, they think that it's nursing home insurance, and it's not. And I think that in pointing out these activities of daily living, it's important for folks to understand that these are things that in a lot of cases, to your point, John, what we see a lot is dependent on the severity of the situation. Most people want to stay at home. That's what they want. And it can be a situation where the family members are chipping in one way or another, and by planning in advance, there can be some additional support and help. One of the things, John, that I hear most from people as we're talking about retirement, because you know that's the age where a lot of people, I guess, get more comfortable, you have to start thinking about certain things is, I don't want to be a burden on my children. 
financially or otherwise. And so I think that's where, for a lot of people, that's where the conversation starts. Or they're in their 50s or 60s, or like my brother and I in our 40s, and they have to deal with it with a parent, and they start going, God, I really would like to avoid my kids having to deal with this. Wonder what my options are. I don't know if you've ever been in the situation where you're doing one thing and your child comes up to you and asks you something and you just kind of say yes to whatever it is so that you can go back and focus on the one thing that you're doing right now. And then only later do you find out what it is that you actually agreed to do because you weren't really paying attention to the question at the time. And some of the common responses we'll get are that, well, if it comes to that, my children are going to take care of me or my family is going to take care of me. And the first question out of our mouths at that point is, okay, I mean, if that is the plan, we can help you work towards achieving that plan and work towards that goal and, and figure out what that's going to be. But first and foremost, do they know that? And if they do know that, have you had that conversation with them? Do they understand what that means? Because you can say that I'm going to move in with you and they can say, oh, yeah, we'll do that. And, you know, we've had children that have built additions onto the house for their parents to stay in and live there. And that part might sound complicated and onerous, but that's actually the easiest part of the situation is adding on space to a house. The rest of it that comes with that, because we don't know how quickly somebody might decline in functionality or they might lose their eyesight or their hearing, or they may not be able to get up and down the stairs without assistance, whatever that might be. It's a big agreement to make at a point in time where the people saying that they'll do it might not fully understand. And if it's something that is an expectation that you haven't had that conversation about, and let's be honest, these are not conversations that are easy to have. If it's not something you have had a conversation about, there's no time like the present to talk about that. And I'm not going to say that your children don't love you, but you may get into that conversation and find out that what you think the plan is, is not actually going to be the plan. And the sooner you figure that out, the better, because the more time we have, the more options we can come up with, right? That's right. And it is, it's a real gut check. When that time comes, the idea of a parent, and I've seen, again, right now we're talking about from a child's point of view, but I've seen plenty of spouses who have become full-time caregivers, and the statistics are all over the place in terms of how, what the wear and tear, if you will, that that puts on a full-time caregiver. I've seen statistics as to the amount of income that children forego and lose in order to take care of a parent and things like that. Before my dad passed away, Trish and I had a serious conversation about him moving in with us because at least from the doctor's perspective, it wasn't going to be a long time. And even when we agreed that that would be okay, other family members talked to us and said, are you sure you know what you're getting into? Because those are one-way streets. If you think about the discomfort that you would have in having that conversation about the level of care that you're going to give to a loved one, imagine the angst that you would have if you have been doing it and now you're worried it's unsustainable for you. I mean, I mean just amplified by 
a factor of probably 10. And so today we're touching on a lot of non-financial things. The one thing that I would say, John, that folks need to be aware of and that we'll talk more about over the next couple of episodes is a lot of people have an old thought process around what long-term care coverage is and how you pay for it. My granddad, for example, had one of these, you paid, I forget what it was, two or $3,000 a year per person. Kind of, it was one of these annual pay deals and he quit paying for it about three years before he and my grandmother really needed it. It's a little bit like term insurance. Like you finally just decide, oh, I've lived long enough. I don't really need it. And that's usually, but the options available for helping pay for long-term care and the kind of care that paid for has changed an awful lot. Yeah, it all starts with a conversation. And what I go back to is if the conversation is something that you can have with your children, your spouse, whoever you might reach out to, have that conversation. The sooner the better. If you can't or are unsure about how to start that conversation with them, I would suggest just come to us. We have these conversations all the time. And we can find kind of sneaky ways to help you slide it into the conversation or broach that subject with whoever you need to broach it to. You know, one of the easiest ways is just say we're going to have a broad conversation about estate planning. And that's something that people will talk about, wills and powers of attorney and stuff. And then you can kind of slide the long-term care conversation in there as well as part of that. Because by itself, it's kind of an odd topic to talk about because you're talking about sickness and pain and somebody not being able to live their life the way they want to live it. You know, nobody really wants to wake up and say, yes, I want to talk about that today. So if you need tips and tricks on how to broach that subject, we're here to help. We can help you come up with a plan of action and go from there. So that would be my suggestion. Yeah, well, we can be your straw man or your scapegoat. We do that an awful <laughs> lot and we play that part incredibly well. And so like with a lot of things, if this is something that you're worried about, either how you might take care of somebody or how someone might take care of you, I encourage you to give one of us a call, reach out to one of our Signature Wealth offices, because it might be the first time you have this conversation. It is most assuredly, like most things, not the first time that we've had this conversation. And so helping educate and prepare you for that is something that any of our advisors are definitely able to do. John, in an effort to lighten this up just a touch before we end, I'm curious because I've given this some thought. If you had to pick one of the six activities of daily living to accept help with, which one would it be? Eating. Same. Same. <laughs> I, I, because, I, again, I, I thought about it, and if nothing else, I could at least in my mind turn that into being like one of those, I, It was it the Romans, you know, where, where they would just lay up and people would feed them grapes? I could at least concoct some sort of story for myself. I could play that part a little bit easier, I think, than any of the rest of them. You know, eating would be a first for me very easily. I didn't even hesitate on that one because I do feel like you can basically put just about anything into a blender and hand me a cup and a straw and I'm good to go. If it was going to be a close second, it would probably have to be a scene straight out of the movie Coming to America with Eddie Murphy. I'd have to go with bathing as a close number two, but eating would be number one. Well, if I have to pick a number two and this wasn't part of my game, I'd go with transferring. 
I'm a big dude. It might not be particularly fun for whomever it is, but if I'm trying to minimize my level of discomfort, transferring might be number two. But again, John, our hope is that folks that are listening don't have to deal with this. And they, but if they do, they certainly don't have to deal with it alone. So if you're listening and this is uh, something that has caught a nerve with you, again, don't hesitate to reach out to one of our offices. And next week, John, we'll be back to talk about the different kinds of care and also a little bit about the cost. So I will look forward to seeing you again next week. Digging a little deeper. Here we have it, another great episode. If you'd like to continue the conversation, here are four ways that we can help. First, complete the Retirement Success Scorecard to discover whether or not you're on track to a successful retirement on your terms. You can find this at signaturewealth.com scorecard. Second, get a complimentary copy of my book, The Retirement Remix. Whether you're interested in real life retirement stories and inspiration from others like you, or you want to learn more about Medicare and Social Security, it's all in there. Go to theretirementremix.com to grab your copy. Third, listen in on bi-weekly office hours with our team. We host live virtual office hours to share new investment and planning information and answer your money, markets, and retirement questions. Find the details to join us at signaturewealth.com slash office hours. And fourth, schedule a complimentary strategy call with one of our advisors to make sure you're on track toward your ideal retirement. Go to signaturewealth.com and select the Signature Wealth office closest to you. We'll be back here next week for more on the Retirement Remix. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode.